Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, in anticipation of this fall's election, the Confluence Cast is endeavoring to introduce Columbus voters to the 12 council and two mayoral candidates in their own words. Under the new City Council District System, District 7 encompasses downtown, the Short North, German Village, Old Town East, Franklinton, 5th by Northwest, and everything in between. Incumbent City Council Member Shayla Favor is running for re-election within this district unopposed. In today's interview, Favor talks about equity, housing policy, and how her background applies to council policy work. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Shayla Favor, Columbus City Council person and candidate for District 7. Shayla, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for asking. First of all, tell us about yourself. What brings you to your candidacy and council? Well, uh, first, let me just say thank you for even providing the opportunity uh, mm-hmm. for me to introduce myself to your audience. Uh, my name is Shayla Favor. I'm uh, born and, uh, for the most part, raised in Dayton, Ohio. I've lived all over the place. Moved to Columbus to go to uh, The Ohio State University. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, a lawyer by training. I am a creative at heart. Uh, and I'm a fighter. Okay. Uh, how did you get to council in the first place? I got to council. It, it, it's a bit of a it's a, it's a journey, uh, okay. and I live by this model: uh, live for the journey, not the destination. And so I don't know if we've got time to go through the the whole journey, but I I look back over every encounter that I've had. It has all been leading up to this point that I'm at right now. Uh, Practically, I served as an assistant city attorney in the Columbus City Attorney's Office, uh, working to uh, clean up Columbus's neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really helped to uh, zero in on uh, this this love and passion around advocating for a safe and affordable housing in our community. And so, when an opportunity presented itself, uh, I threw my name in the hat. Uh, didn't think much of it. And here we are four-ish years later, um, taking that experience, that expertise, that passion, uh, and helping to uh, hopefully bring positive impact in our community all throughout Central Ohio. Talk us through the issues that you believe Columbus is currently facing and how you as a council person try to address those challenges. You know, without a shadow of a doubt, if anyone is familiar with my name, uh, my platform, you're going to hear me talk about housing. Uh, You're going to hear me talk about our issues around uh, evictions and our growing homelessness crisis uh, in our community. You know, when I think about uh, the way uh, we have uh, Columbus's good fortune in its growth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to continue to grow with uh, projects, big projects like Intel on the horizon. I am, what keeps me up at night is to think about how we are going to grow equitably in our community. You know, 2023, and we're still talking about Columbus being one of the most segregated communities uh, in this country. Uh, it's a sin and a shame. 
And while the pandemic taught us so many different types of lessons, um, this is one that uh, I welcome because now we're having some of those candid, sometimes confrontational, uncomfortable conversations about what disparity looks like in our community, uh, what it looks like uh, to really unpack there being two Columbuses uh, and the reality that there are many people in our community uh, that don't have access to safe and affordable housing, that don't have a place to lay their head down at night. And we're not just talking about a siloed issue of housing because quite honestly, uh, we're talking about systemic impacts as it relates to housing. I talk about a lot, I talk a lot, excuse me, about systemic racism and, and what that means. And so let me just unpack that if you Please. don't mind. If you think about uh, the realities of housing uh, in our community and, and the history of housing. Um, I had the uh, opportunity two years ago to uh, teach a course at Denison University and uh, created the class. They said, do what you will. And, and I, I, I taught a class about the history of housing. Okay. And I entitled the class, the course, uh, Ghetto by Design, Racism and Inequity in Urban Communities. Okay. And I think as a way of truly educating young folks and now people in our community about how our communities came to be. Mm -hmm. That it is not just as simple as unpacking redlining and we're having a large zoning conversation in our community. Yeah. But it is so much more than that, that when we talk about um, how people that look like me and others uh, were essentially locked out of the opportunity to not up to only obtain housing, but to also have the uh, the opportunity to partake in what is now what we know as generational wealth. Right. And so what that means is that people that look like me uh, did not only have the opportunity to to obtain a house um, at some point in time, but all those things that came along with that. So that's access to a better educational opportunities versus someone who has to take out loans to be able to obtain uh, uh uh, higher education. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about the opportunity to pursue entrepreneurial efforts mm -hmm. um, with uh, free flowing cash that is available or using the wealth that might derive from uh, generational um, access to housing mm -hmm. uh, versus someone taking out loans or credit or being able, having to float um, a small entrepreneurial effort uh, on the good fortune of people just making some cash donations. All of these things are what we can unpack as systemic effects of racist uh, housing policies in our community. Now, that you can talk about other things that could be added into that, but what we know for sure is that if you don't have to worry about taking out a loan to take care of medical expenses, to take care of your child going to school, mm -hmm. uh, or uh, um, a whole other host of issues, improving your home, those efforts could be used, those monies can be used in other ways to enhance and better your life, um, thereby just increasing uh, what we know as generational wealth. And so it is time for us to truly unpack what that means and how people have been disenfranchised over the years, how they have not had the opportunity uh, to to really partake uh, in, in certain um, uh, certain 
opportunities, yeah. right? The American dream, if you will. Uh, and I want to disrupt that. I want to call that out. I want to talk about what it is um, and and make some folks uncomfortable around this conversation because it's through that uncomfortability that we can grow and become the Columbus that I think that we all want to be. I see a question. So it, it <laughs> in addition to the awareness and the conversations that I personally believe are important. What is the role of counsel in addressing some of these, as you've said, systemic things that exist? Well, we didn't get here without local, state, and federal government Mm -hmm. interfering in this market, right? When we think about how our communities were created, uh, subsidies were in place. Yep. White people were subsidized and able to to get housing and opportunities uh, by lots of different measures. Think of even the GI Bill, right? I was literally about to bring up the <laughs> GI Bill, right? Right, right. And so when we think about other uh, racist policies like covenants that were keeping people that literally said, if you were a black person, you could not live in this, you could not own this home. Yeah. It's in the deeds, right? And, that and, literally says that. And just for the listeners, I invite you to go back to the episode on Upper Arlington to talk where we talk about that and where there is uh it the folks in power are trying to have conversations about being open and welcoming communities but it's difficult when it's inherent to how these communities were founded absolutely absolutely and you know and then what you know what everyone knows about hopefully uh is this you know what redlining did Mm -hmm. uh, into our community and you really can't we talk a lot about redlining we don't talk about those green line communities though and how the green line communities have flourished um all over the country and so if government at the state excuse me at the local state and federal level Mm -hmm. played a role uh, and helping to segregate communities and, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, block people uh, from being able to obtain generational wealth, then I think that government also has a role in creating opportunities to right that wrong. And so I see city council playing a role in that. Uh, number one, we're, we're ha- undertaking a huge zoning, um, zoning code update. Mm-hmm. Um, zoning impacts so much. Uh, in our community. It it is what helps to, uh, it's the map of how our community, our city will grow, Mm -hmm. how our city will develop. Um, It is the determination whether you're going to live next to a trash receptacle site or you're going to live next to a beautiful park. Mm -hmm. Where do most communities of color, unfortunately, uh, find themselves at? They're abutted against highways. They're next to these trash receptacle sites. Mm -hmm. Um, And those bring on a host of environmental concerns, which lead to health concerns, which means that if you're going to have a disproportionate um, impact as it relates to your health, then more than likely that's going to also impact your ability to to go to school, right? So we see kids of color with higher incidence of asthma and other health-related issues. Mm -hmm. All of that can be related to the fact that the environment that you live in may not be the best for you, which also means if you're not going to school on a regular basis or you're out because you're sick at a disproportionate rate, you're probably not going to graduate high school on time. Mm -hmm. And if you do graduate high school on time, 
maybe you don't get the good grades that you probably could have had if you didn't have those other issues. So you know what? You might not get into that four-year college that you had aspirations for, or you might not get that job that you, all of these things, it's a cycle. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean when I'm talking about unpacking the systemic issues that it relates to us. We might think just, oh, housing, it's just this, let's throw some money at it. And that's going to solve the problem. It's not complex is, excuse me, housing is a complex issue and it's going to take complex strategies to truly address our housing crisis. And so there is not a silver bullet for listeners out there. We are going to continue to roll out idea after idea. We're going to try different things and hopefully something sticks. I know that something is going to stick and that will begin to uh, to address truly the cycle that we are currently facing right now, which around our housing crisis. Uh, but there isn't one thing that's going to solve this because it is that complex. And we've had a conversation with Aaron Prosser in the past. Uh, I want to, after the election, have another conversation with you about sort of the equitable solutions that you see from a council perspective. And there's a whole host of things we can get into there, right? Um, Let's pivot a bit. Tell me about how you feel about the new districting system uh, and whether it's good and whether this is the the next step in a reasonable direction. So um, I uh, will be representing District 7. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this, we should note you're unopposed. We are. We. I am so unopposed. I, I am feeling a little bit more free to have a conversation about this. Sure. Here, uh, I, all the interviews I've done up to this point have been. I've been very conscious about. Uh, I want to treat everybody equitably, right? Which, sorry, I want to treat everybody equally. Uh, given that you're unopposed, I want, and that you currently sit on council. Uh, let's talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I say, well, you say it, I am unopposed, but I believe that I, I do have opposition. Uh, and I do believe that is because some of the ideals that I am discussing when we talk about our housing and evictions and, uh, those aren't things that we have talked about, uh, to the level that we are talking about them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, these conversations tend to make people uncomfortable. And so that is opposition, right? To some degree, I, I have to have buy-in. I gotta have buy-in from my colleagues. Mm-hmm. I've gotta have buy-in from the community. Um, I've gotta have buy-in from those who are helping to develop um, these projects that we're talking about. And so for, yes, for all intents and purposes, I don't have another uh, candidate that I'm going um toe-to-toe with, mm-hmm. uh, but I am going toe-to-toe with ideas that I hope are going to disrupt the system that's currently in place right now uh, so that we can create the Columbus that I believe we all want to live in. Talk about whether having a districting system where everyone is running at large, uh, whether that's good and whether that provides the amount of accountability uh, to those individuals, uh, whether there's enough there right yeah well this is voter approved right this is what the voters said that they wanted yeah and so i don't think it's up to me to say whether it's good or not uh we don't know what is going to happen in january right Mm -hmm. except for the fact that there will be nine members uh on the dais versus seven and i think that's okay for for us to say or for me to say that we don't know what the end result is going to be Right. But what you do know is that you've got an, uh, a, 
a member uh, who believes in what the voters um, casted their vote for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's willing to work in the system that is has been created and will represent uh, not only uh, the residents in District 7, but the residents in the city of Columbus. Um, and so we are not familiar, I think, more broadly. Uh, folks are more uh, familiar with a traditional uh, ward-based, district-based model, like a Chicago type of system, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this is going to be different. Yeah. This is going to be different. And so part of this is educating folks on what this looks like, what has happened uh, over the last, uh, this was, I think, came up in 2018, 2019 for a vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been talking about this since I've been on council uh, through a commission that was put together to figure out how this was actually going to be structured. And now it's here. Uh, and so here we are being making Columbus history again. And so we're the guinea pigs. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how this all plays out. Uh, my last question, I f- almost feel like you've addressed a lot of it. Uh, what's your value proposition that you're bringing to your candidacy? Uh, translating that, why should folks vote for you? Yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're getting a fighter here. You're, you're getting a fighter. You're getting uh, someone uh, who doesn't take no very well, okay. uh, who is creative and who's always looking for other solutions, who never wants to be put in a, a box uh, to say, this is how we've always done it, and this is what we're going to continue to do. Because that is insanity. That if we truly want to be different, then we've got to do different things. We can't keep leaning on the same thing. We can't keep saying the same thing, expecting different results. I think Columbus residents want something different, and so we're going to give them something different. I'm going to give them something different. I end every interview with two questions. What do you think Columbus is doing well, and what do you think Columbus is not doing so well? I think that Columbus uh, right now is stepping up and being a leader. And I say that with the understanding that you might not see the manifestation of that leadership right now. Columbus, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, is going to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. That also means that Central Ohio is going to grow. And so the issues that we are experiencing in Columbus, they're not unique, um, so much so that our suburban partners are not going to experience them. Uh, But we are leading in the way of having the critical conversations uh, around housing, Mm -hmm. around safety, around infrastructure, uh, and not just leading in Central Ohio, but leading for the state as well. And so you might not see... uh, all of the housing units that we need online right now, uh, but we are creating the pathway that will help bring all of that housing online, um, that will bring the infrastructure, that will bring the creative transportation, uh, modes of transportation uh, that we've been talking about for years online. So I think that's what we're doing very well. Uh, and, t- and to lead, as you know, uh, it's not easy. You're going to take the, the bullets along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's incredibly important to acknowledge that conversation that we're having. Uh, what could we be doing better? Man, we could just move faster. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and, and that's just the realities of, of government, though. Um, I, I It's the realities of everything, it, it, it right? Is. It yeah. is. It is. Um, but I am, I am encouraged by the people that I serve with. 
Uh, I am encouraged uh, at the capacity for people uh, to come together and some of the toughest times that we've had to face uh, in our community over the last three years or so uh, and, and kind of stack hands and say, you know, we're going to own this uh, and we're going to work collaboratively to address some of these critical issues. Uh, and so I don't want to lose that momentum. I want to keep inviting folks to the, the stacking of hands, if you will, uh, and be a part of the solution. Don't sit on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. uh, participate at whatever level you can uh, to help create the Columbus that you can be proud of as well. Great. Shayla, thank you for your time. Thank you. This was great. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite attorney. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.